Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Jesse Salem, and together we're studying Shira Shirim. Shira Shirim Perek Zain. So this next song is going to be uh, a song of the dance circles. We'll see the girl in the middle, and we'll see this song. It opens with a chorus of girls, followed by the praise from the Beloved himself. This is the third and last time the Beloved will sing her praise. Uh, we already heard two songs from him. One at the wedding before he was invited into a garden. The second was the last song we heard, which was very reminiscent of the first. She also sang one song of his praises, but as we pointed out, that that was very practical. It was directed to him, rather um, it was sung to the girls of Jerusalem to help her find her beloved um, after she let him slip away. So here is the fourth song of praise and the third and final song of his. Shuvi, Shuvi, Hashulamit. Right, all range from Pesukim Aleph to... Um, to Zayin, right? O- open with Mayafu Peamayich Ben Nealim and close off with Mayafitu Man Naamt. So Shuvi Shuvi Ashulamit Shuvi Shuvi Venechazebach Mate Hazuba Shulamit Kim Cholata Machanaim. And now the beloved speaks. Mayafu Peamayich Ben Nealim Bat Nadiv Hamukere Chayich Kimo Halaim Asiyde Oman Shorelech Aganasar Alechsam Mazik Bitnech Alemat Chitim Suga B'Shoshanim Shneshadayich Kishne Ofarim Teomes Sevia Savarech Kimigdal Hashen Einayich Berechot B'Hashpon Al Shal Bat Rabim Apech Kimigdal Levanon Sofei Pene Damasik Roshech Alayich Kakarmel Vedalat Roshech Kargaman Melchasul Bariatim Mayafi Tu Man Naamt Ahava V'Taanugim. So these um, seven Pesukim, and we'll see also the next three, which will be part of the next song, or, or part of this song, but broken up a little differently, uh, speak of um, the Beloved singing her praise. Uh, this time, oddly enough, though, it's from the bottom up. Right? It starts from Pe'amayich, from her feet, and we end off at her head. So let's take a Pesuk Pesuk. Shuvi shuvi ashulamit, shuvi shuvi v'nechazebach, matechezu bashulamit, Return, return, the Shulamit. Return, return, and let us gaze at you. What will you look at? The Shulamit dancing between camps? Right? Shuvi, shuvi can either mean spin around, right, as they would in a dance, or it could be the girls calling her, return back. They want to see her dance, and she responds in third person, or maybe the girls are responding in her name rhetorically. What do you want to see in the Shulamit? You want to see me dancing in between two camps of people? Like she's saying, she, she doesn't want to dance in between two camps, and she's making her way towards her beloved. This Mahanaim seems to be two camps or two rows, right, instead of a circle, where one person would dance in the middle. And here, what she referred to, how is she referred? She referred, she's referred to as the Shulamit, right? Why is she called Shulamit? Maybe Shalom, or a reference to Yerushalayim, well, you know, where the beloved himself is from, or if he's Shalomo, she is Shulamit. Right? It's a it's a beautiful play on the on the name itself. So now it seems as though the beloved starts singing her praise once again with such similarity to Perek Dalid. Uh, here he starts from the bottom by her feet and makes his way up. How beautiful are your feet and sandals, daughter of nobles. Your rounded thighs are like jewelry, the handiwork of a craftsman. Right? They would usually walk barefoot, but here she dresses up in sandals in honor of the beloved. And he takes notice. He then moves to her thighs, how they, they're the work of a craftsman or, or the creator. Your belly button is like a deep bowl, like a full moon, never lacks poured wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat surrounded by roses. 
Right? He praises her belly button with the imagery of a full moon and a, and a bowl or cup that holds wine. Then he moves to her stomach um, using imagery from the agricultural society, a heap of wheat surrounded by lilies. Right? Whereas then it was customary to pile the wheat, the wheat high in a heap after the harvest and surround it with thorns to protect it from animals. Here instead it's being surrounded by, by lilies instead of the thorns. So basically, honey, your stomach is like a big pile of wheat. Right? Like, don't try this one at home. So it, it can be simply that that's how they would see beauty back then, right? If they, you know, this praise may seem a little awkward to us, but that's because, you know, we're looking at it through 21st century lenses. But for him, it was a beautiful sight. Um, otherwise, it can potentially be a reference to the dance she was engaged, engaged in, right? Um, we know back then, Middle Eastern cultures, um, even today, right? Belly dancing, right? It was very prominent. So it could be that was the dance that she was dancing, and that's what, you know, he's complimenting her. Um, or it can be allusion to a pregnant woman, right? With um, him hinting at the beauty of a pregnant woman with a rounded stomach. Right? Either way, he praises her belly and it's surrounded by lilies, bringing back the imagery of the lily that she um, herself compared um, herself to throughout the Sefer. And he also referred it that way. Your two breasts are like deer, twin doe. Right? Here, there's no mention of the grazing amongst the, amongst the lilies that we saw in Perek in Dalet. Maybe because... We just mentioned the lilies in the last pasuk. He continues, Your neck is like a tower of ivory. Your eyes like the pools in Hashbon, right? The main capital of Moab. Today in Arabic, it's called Hisban. By the Batrabim gate, right? We learn over here that there were gates of, you know, pools of water in front of the city. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon. Right, overlooking Damascus, right, Damascus, like Midal Lebanon, who stands out in its beauty. Right, as she struggled with this imagery of the nose, as what kind of compliment is it to have a nose like the Tower of Lebanon? Right, so therefore he translates the Apech over here to mean face and brings other references for it in Tanakh. But on a more pshat level, we can explain as we did that the nose stands out in beauty like the Tower of Lebanon. Right, not necessarily in height, right, but in beauty. It's interesting how Rashi though um, also tried to make sense of the Mashal itself. Your head is on you like the Carmel and the locks of your head like Argaman, right? a royal purple wool, and the king is held captive in her locks. He compares her here to the Carmel who stands tall above the shoreline. Carmel is also a hint to Carmel, the color red, that parallels the next part of the sentence, right? Her hair is like the Argaman, braided and woven in majestic, in majestic beauty, and the Carmel is the color red, parallel to the Argaman. A king would be tied up in her beauty, or a hint to Malach, right? Instead of, um, instead of, uh, Asubaratim, it could be a hint to Malach, Basubaratim, like a ponytail tied in beauty. After the description starting from the bottom uh, with her heels and working his way up to her thighs, belly button, stomach, breast, neck, eyes, nose, head, hair, he closes off with a line he opened with, How beautiful you are and how pleasant love with delights. He opened with, and closes with, We would just um, like to address the question that we opened with earlier, why does he seemingly praise her in the reverse order? Right? When you look at someone, you look at their eyes, their face. Why would you stop by their feet? So maybe since the scene opened with the mehola, the dancing, and it's her feet that stick out, he starts there. Uh, people have suggested that. Or he feels tiny in her shadow and feels as if he needs to reach out, you know, reach out to her. She's out of reach, so he starts with her feet. Also pay attention to the places he mentions, right? Lebanon, Cheshbon, Damese, Carmel. What happened to Engedi? 
Right? She's from Engedi. What happened to Engedi? It's almost alluding to that the whole world speaks of her, but she's out of reach. And on that note, let's read the next pasuk. Right? Within that praise, he goes on to speak now of materializing the love. So the next three pesukim are the next um, short song from him. Zot komatech da metale tamar veshadayich lashkolot. Amarti eile betamar o hazab esansinav viyunan shadayich keshkolot agaven verech apech katapuchim vehakech kena tov holech ledodi lemesharim dovev siftei yeshenim. Right. So just as he finished speaking possibly of actually out of reach she, she says Zot tamar. your height resembles a date or a palm tree and your breast clusters right? seemingly clusters of dates but will be reinterpreted in the next pasuk he compares it to a cedar you know to a date tree Amarti tamar o katapuchim. I said I'll climb the date tree hold it by its fruit and your breasts will be like the clusters of grapes and the smell of your nose or breath like the smell of apples. Remember the apples? That That's what she saw in him that symbolized the love. Now he uses it as imagery for her. And your palate meant the kisses that flow from her mouth like the finest wine. Right? And now she interrupts him. As he was speaking of her, she flips the imagery on him. She says, Flowing smoothly for my beloved. And then the pasuk ends off, Causing the sleeper's lips to speak. Right? It's a little ambiguous to who says this last part. But we see that in this last pasuk, like, they're almost interrupting each other, with cutting each other off mid-sentence of speaking of each other's love for one another. She says, Love gives me the ability to speak. And these last two pesukim speak of his longing to be with her. And after her recept, you know, after this whole speech of ten pesukim by him, comes her receptive, receptive response, invoking the spring of love that he sought after. In her response, we'll see she consistently calls him Dod in every sentence. And he also closes, she closes with Yeshanim, where he closed off with Yeshanim. So let's read what she says in these next and she hears the longing of her beloved in his voice and she says this line of his desires to me. She realizes that she's single down and special in his eyes. His desires for me, it's it's a much bolder statement than Anile Dodi, my beloved is to me. Right? Not only that, but Alayta Shukato reminds us of the very similar language of earlier in the curse of Hava, right? Your longing will be to to your husband. And he will rule over you. Over here, she's reversing that. He longs for her. There's a sense of equality between man and woman bringing us back to the times of Gan Eden before the episode where they were cursed and thrown out. Come, my beloved, let's go out into the fields. Let's sleep in the henas. Right? Kefarim over here is the plural of, is not the plural of Kefar villages. Rather, it's, it's of Kofir, right? The, the henna. 
the spice much associated with romance and weddings. She's asking to materialize the love. Let's wake up early and go to the vineyards. Let's see with whether the vine is budded and if the blossoms have opened and whether the pomegranates have bloomed. There, I will give my love to you. This reminds us of, of Perek Bet, right? Pesukim Yud Aleph to Yud over there. The first time he initiated to ask her out. And she declined because of the vineyard being in bloom. Yet he or she is initiating. Let's go see if the vine has budded. He or she responds, what, am I, what was I worrying about before? The vineyards being in bloom? That, that's where I'll show my love to you. It also speaks to her response in Lesperek where she said that she went down to the nut garden and he or she invites him to go together. And now, Hadudaim Natinureach, Velpetachenu, Kol Megadim, Hadashim, Gam Yeshanim, Todi, Zafantilach. The mandrakes have given off fragrance, and over our doors are all the choicest of fruits, both new and old. Dodi, Zafantilach, my beloved, I saved for you. The Dudaim, the mandrakes, what do they represent or remind us of? Firstly, it's a play on the word, the main word in the song, Dod. Right? And here she speaks of the Dudaim. But more importantly, symbolically, they bring us back to the story of Rahayal Ne'ah. It's a symbol of love, and maybe even of pregnancy. That's what's giving off the smell now. Love is in the air. And she closes off with, My beloved, I saved for you. What did she save for him? The dried fruits? The mandrakes? Maybe herself? Her love that she saved for him. And on that note, the new and old... The new and old fruits hanging over a doorway can very, very well be her speaking metaphorically. The new and old love will leave our relate, will lead our relationship, the excitement from the beginning, but also the everyday commitment. Both of them will lead our relationship going forward. And this closes off the song of the Dod and the Dudaim, the love and the mandrakes. After his praise of her, and she realizes that she's singled out in his eyes, she goes on to speak, um, to speak and ask him to run out into the field. Remember in Perek Bet when he was peeking through the holes and begging her to run into the spring nature and she wasn't ready? They're, they finally fell in love and in their very own bedroom, in the most intimate of settings, their relationship fell apart. And now she's asking, let's go run into spring nature. It's almost as if she remembers the love of her youth and longs for those days. Maybe she misses the days of, of love and courting each other. Once Kim rolled in, she had trouble adhering to it. But now she's ready. She's ready to return to those earlier days of excitement while living with the daily commitments. And now for the Nimshal, in the Nimshal as well, sometimes we have moments of a close connection and love of God, yet as time passes, our connection becomes one of rote and daily commitments. We need to hold on to those commitments, adhere to the Berit, even as we search to renew the love of our youth. Allegorically, Amos Hacham explains this song representing God's longing to dwell His Shekhinah amongst Israel. And Knesset Israel responds with a request to bring them back to Eretz Israel, And there, they will worship Him wholeheartedly. In this next song, we move into Perek Chet, uh, the first four Pesukim. Um, it's almost part of the the, um, the larger Le song, as you know, she's continuing with her words. The woman speaks how she like she liked to outwardly express her love. It's not just her feelings. She wants to bring it public. Right? 
שמאלו תחרושי וימינו תחבקני. השפעתי אתכם בנות ירושלים, מתעירו ומתעוררו את האהבה אשתחפץ. So she speaks about bringing her love to the public. If only you were my brother who nursed at my mother's breasts, I'd, I'd find you outside, I'd kiss you, I'd, and no one would make fun of me. No one will laugh at me again. Now she wants to bring him home. She wants to be able to kiss him outdoors without having a sense of shame, just like a brother and sister can give each other a kiss in public without being embarrassed. As opposed to kissing a stranger in public, which is an action of the Isha Soredet, which we saw in Mishle, right? I will lead you, bring you into the house of my mother who instructed me. Or it can be turning to him and telling him in second person, you will teach me. I will give you to drink spiced wine from the juice of my pomegranates, right? She'll give him from the best juices to drink. And she uses the word ashkecha, playing on the word eshakecha, to kiss in last pasuk. And the wine and the pomegranate juice, that's, that's what we, she went down to her nut garden for, right? To see afarecha gefen anetsu animonim. If the vine blossomed and, and if the pomegranates budded. Now we understand why she looked for those fruits. Those are the fruits or juices she wants to serve him in her mother's home. Also pay attention to the use of verbs one after the next without any baba haibur. Right? right? Which is pretty unique to the song. It's very action-oriented. She, she's bringing him into her home. And she continues, His left hand be under my head and his right hand hugs me. And over here she changes the third person. Right? From enhagecha to semolo. Right? Why? Why does she move from second to third person? It could be as Da'at Mikra suggests that she does so out of tzini'ut, not to make a statement like that directly aimed at him. And we can maybe even suggest that it's consistent throughout the Megillah, right? The most intimate settings are expressed in either third person or an allegory, right? The Megillah has a level of tzini'ut to it, even as it speaks of concepts that no other Sefer and Tanakh has spoken of. Right, so even in earlier, when we say Yishakeni Minashikot Piyu, that's in third person, or other areas where Bati Legani, you know, it's 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 an allegory, it's speaking in allegory, the most intimate settings. Hishbati etchem benot Yerushalayim, matairu matayoreru etaavaj tachpatz. I adjure you, daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir or awaken love until it's ready. Once again, we close off with this swear. This is the third and final time we'll see it in the Megillah. The first time was immediately after love entered her life. She enjoyed the girls of, of Jerusalem to let it develop on its own. And the second time was at the climax, right, right at her wedding. And now the third time at the end of, you know, when she finally catches, you know, him again. We may notice that this swear is a little different with two slight changes. One, the gazelles and deer are missing. And two, the word ma is noticeably different, you know, where the previous swears both had im. So why these differences? If we remember Yehuda Felix's reasoning for the gazelles and deer, we, we can understand. We don't need them anymore. right? Life is not the hide-and-seek as it once was before. So she omits them. And why ma instead of im? So some explain that use of ma instead of im accentuates a more definite tone. Here she is sure of herself and speaks to that. Or maybe almost to say, very differently in the swear, right? Yoni Grossman wants to suggest that it's almost like, go for it, get it, search. Love is worth pushing for, right? Very different than the other two swears. 
Metaphorically, this is a song that Bnei Israel or an individual sings over their longing to experience Ahavat Hashem, love of God. Right, so this closes off the Shira and dialogue in the Megillah. Um, she speaks to him in second person. Maybe he is there in front of her and she expresses not only her love for him, but now she wants their love to be known to all. Um, from now till the end, we'll continue with a few interesting virtues of love as we close off the Megillah and the last parak.